welcome, uh, welcome back. My name is David Ryan, and I've been a member of uh, Grace Church for about eight years. And I've been in the financial uh, financial markets for over 30 years. I actually bought my first stock when I was 13. My dad was buying stocks for my college education, and I, somehow I got fascinated. God gave me a fascination with the markets, and my first stock I bought was actually in a candy company. It was called Ward's Foods. They made, made uh, if anybody remembers, Bit of Honey, Chunky Candy Bars. Yeah, I used to hang out in front of the student store at my junior high school and try to get people to buy these things so the stock would go up. But it, it didn't work that way. The st- it was a bad bear market in 19, I think, 72, and the stock actually, I bought it at 10 and a half, it went down to two. But I became fascinated by what made the markets move, and I, just, I was just very, very interested in that. Anyway, that led to uh, constantly watching the markets, investing the markets, and then when I got out of UCLA, I walked up the front stairs of a company called William O'Neill & Company that, uh, that uh, produces Investor's Business Daily, if you've ever seen that. And, and a bunch of other products, and uh, asked for a part-time job, internship, anything. I just wanted to work for free because I wanted to learn about the markets. I ended up staying there for 17 years. I ran a mutual fund there. Uh, I advised institutions and uh, large money managers on what stocks to buy and what to do in the market. And from there, I left, and I started a hedge fund, which I ran for 15 years, which I closed just a couple of years ago. But it all stems for an interest God gave me when I was little, and a fascination, and um, and has just led to a number of a number of different things. But uh, then, kind of my spiritual background, I was raised a Catholic. When my parents split up when I was 16, my dad said, "You can go to church if you want," and I really didn't see any reason to. And so, it wasn't until uh, UCLA that I started going out with somebody who was going to Campus Crusade for Christ, and they brought me to the meetings, where I really. I started a commitment there, but really got serious when uh, when I met my uh, soon-to-be wife, and then that's where I really became uh, strong in my faith and have grown grown ever since. So, the uh, this is the first time I will address investing from a biblical standpoint. I usually I've given hundreds and hundreds of, of, of lectures and seminars on how to invest in the market and the exact principles to use and what to look for and when to buy stocks and things like that. But this will be a little bit different for me um, where I'll give you kind of investing from a biblical standpoint. And so the, so really, you know, we all want to live out the uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 passage that says whether you eat or drink or whatever, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so how do we do that through our investing. How do we glorify but how we use our money? And it first starts with our attitudes and then it moves on to our motives and our principles in, uh, in really evalu- in evaluating a specific investment. So there are really two, two really questions, two or three questions that you should be asking. What should be our biblically based motives and attitudes towards investing? And what biblical principles should we use to evaluate each investment under our consideration? And I came up with the word map, even though I don't go exactly in order, but the word map, uh, you know, M stands for motives, A stands for attitudes, and, and P stands for principles. So if I could just kind of yeah, move ahead and start with the attitude, because that's where everything really comes from or starts. 
What's, this is kind of the big perspective. Where is your treasure and what's your attitude towards money? Money as it is addressed in the Bible is, is really a, a neutral object. It can be used for some very good purposes and some very bad purposes. What believers do with their money is one of the truest measures of where they are spiritually. It's, it's also, it's not wrong to be wealthy. In Samuel 2.7, it says the Lord makes the poor and rich. And you can, there's a number of very wealthy people in the Bible. Abraham, Job, Solomon were all extremely wealthy. And anyone who lives in, in today's uh, America, in, in most cases, are, are very wealthy from a world, from a world standard. So, but uh, believers should never make the pursuit of money their highest goal. And all that we have is, has, come, come, uh, has come from God. And it's, it's really our attitude. And it's, when it becomes, when money becomes a love, when it's more important or when we start worshiping more than the God that we should be uh, worshiping, then it, the problems are, are created. And really it should be, you know, it should be looked at from a, a neutral standpoint. Um, this... First, uh, first quote, uh, Matthew. And I'll go through a lot of passages, but this this first quote, Matthew six nineteen. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where your thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And if I could use a, a quote from my pastor on this, from John MacArthur, he says now. And what is Matthew saying there? What is he forbidding here? Lay up not for yourself treasures on earth. What does he mean? He's not talking about what we have. He's talking about the attitude toward what we have. Now, it's right to seek the things uh, needed things. It's right to provide for my family. It's right to plan for the future. It's right to make wise investments. It's right to help the poor. It's right to have enough to carry on my business. But it is wrong to be greedy, and it's wrong to be covetous, if I'm doing this uh, to, to use it for the, uh, to the glory of God in the life of those around me and in his kingdom, then I have the right to all of it. But if I'm gaining it to stockpile it and to hoard it and to keep it and to amass it, uh, to, to indulge myself, then that is, that is sin. So we have to come out at money with the right attitude. And we want to, we want to invest from a position where we can honor God uh, with this godly attitude. So the next point is, is really what, what are our motives? What are the right, the right motives that we should have when approaching uh, our investments and, we have, and, and when we have money after we've given to the church and other organizations? Well, the, the first one is here is first to provide for your family's, family's needs. In 1 Timothy 5.8, you can see, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his household, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. You know, most of this passage surrounding this one verse is talking about widows, but when it talks about uh, for his own, when uh, in, the, in part of that passage, it really refers to anybody in our circle of family relationships. And then the word provide also entails that we have to plan ahead. We have to we have to take a lot of steps in terms of planning and what to, how to invest and what we should do with our money. Then the second, second motive is to provide for God's work in spreading the gospel. 
Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and for the first and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And then the third point is practicing good stewardship. And there's a whole passage, 16 verses in Matthew, and this is talking about the Proverbs of the Talents. And so God does not give you riches to hoard, but to use for his glory. And true enjoyment of wealth comes not from possessing it, but from investing it as God intended in the things that account uh, for eternity. Now, here's some ungodly motives for investing. First one is pride. Are you just showing? Are you just investing to show in people how you know how smart you are or how much money you can make? And you can see Proverbs 11:2 talks about when pride comes, then comes disgrace but with humility comes wisdom. Second is selfishness. Uh, Philippians 2, uh, 3 through 4, do, uh, do, nothing, uh, do nothing out of selfish or empty conceit, uh, conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important as yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of, of others. And then the another... Uh, ungodly mode greed and then is really is there is there ever a point where you you don't have enough luke 15:12 said uh, then he said to them beware beyond beyond your guard against every form of greed for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions and it's interesting that greed seems to be the at the heart if i can make a little transition at a heart of of so many people that get scammed, and even even people within the church, and there's actually they call them affinity frauds, which where people are of the same either same belief in the same church uh, that has happened over and over again, and and at the base of that is a lot of people who really want to get you know they want to make more money or they want to greed. So one, um, one affinity fraud that targeted members of Christian churches in rural Kansas, Nebraska, and Missouri um, raised $7.4 million in funds from at least 25 investors, supposedly to trade in high-yield foreign bank instruments in a secret prime bank trading market, which I don't understand what in the world that is. <laughs> The promoter said that investors would receive a monthly return of 20% for 18 to 12, uh, 18 to, it's a 12 to 18 months, and that return of principal was fully uh, guaranteed. It's one of those situations when something sounds too good that you've got to say, wait a second, it's, uh, you just can't get returns like that on a, <laughs> on a monthly basis. So been, and um, I, one statistic I found that, that in the latest count from 1998 to 2001 that there has been uh, two, uh, over two billion dollars in affinity, affinity scams uh, during those those years. So you got to be you have to be very very careful. Um, so anyway, that's that's another ungodly motive is is greed, and then trusting in wealth. And I think Doug used this uh, passage um, in Job where it says, if I put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security, or if I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands has gained, then these also would be sins to be judged. 
for I would have been unfaithful to God on, on high. So if you've gotten, are you, are you trusting in your wealth? Have you gotten to the point where your investments and the size of your bank account uh, is, is where you put your confidence to supply all your needs? And then uh, there's also, then in Luke, um, in Luke uh, 12, 16 through 21, uh, it, was, it was also, Doug also referred to this about building bigger barns, and I've got so much, I'm just going to keep on hoarding more and more. So there are good motives, there are ungodly motives, and, uh, and if, if you've determined that you have the right motives, you have the right attitude, then what can the Bible teach us about the right questions you ask before you make an investment decision? Really getting down to, uh, down to specifics. So this is the P. Gone over motives, attitudes, and now here's principles. Uh, and you know, the, this you can ask, and you can ask the same thing about if, and not, not even, even about your investments, but even about large purchases. If you're going to buy a new home, or if you're going to, uh, by a company, if you've uh, anything big, you can ask these right questions, and uh, to help you help you with your uh, your decision. You know the the key to these to some of these principles is really getting the emotion out of your decision. You want to you want to take out the emotion, the the emotions of greed and fear, and you have to be as disciplined as you possibly can. So. The first thing you, you need is, is, are you taking the right road? Here's Proverbs 16, 20, 25. talks about there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to, de- uh, leads to death. And are you, using, are you using something that's worked in the past? Are you following a method, a system, that you have seen has been proved successful by somebody else? Maybe it's a Warren Buffett. Maybe it's a great growth manager. Um, maybe it's somebody else. But are you using something that has actually worked in the past, or are you just kind of inventing yourself, inventing this yourself, and, and using hearing tips and rumors that people might give to you? And if you look at the, I did a little bit of an outline as we get into these principles. You'll see that the Christian life really, really parallels. Uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the d- decisions. Are you choosing the right road? Um, and and you really, you know, it, it, I've, any coach knows that that you have to enter a competition with a game plan. So you have to have rules and you have to have rules to go by. But you know, every day people rush into investments, into stocks, into mutual funds, and they don't have a really a plan of, of, of what to use. A lot of people, they want to, they want to go the easy way. They want, to, they, they want to hear somebody tell them what to do or, or you, know, you know, I heard a great tip, you know, this, you know, you should be buying this or buying that. But does it fit rules that have worked in the past? So, uh, so then in Proverbs 13.13, uh, 13, uh, he who scorns instructions will pay for it but he who respects a command uh, is rewarded. So, so in the in the stock market, for example, you know there's a lot of different ways of making money in the market. Some buy value stocks, some buy growth stocks, penny stocks, index funds, all sorts of ETFs. 
But I, I'd say whatever method you choose, you must follow rules that have been su uh, successful in the past. I follow a discipline for buying growth stocks. Each stock should have a fundamental characteristic. It has a technical characteristics, really exact rules to keep me you know, looking for specific things. And, and if they don't meet those characteristics, well, then I pass on them. Or if, if I bought the stock and it, the characteristics change, well, then I have to, it breaks my discipline and, half, and out I go. But it has to be a, a, a series of rules, a discipline that you follow day in and day out so the emotion of the market does not, do not, does not come in. And then, yeah, here's this talking about discipline and being diligent. Psalm uh, 523, he will die for the lack of discipline led astray by his own, own great folly. And if probably one of the worst things you can do is, is, is when you break a discipline. Because when you break a discipline, you get away with it. It, it kind of teaches you that, hey, you can do that again in the future. But usually that leads to bad habits and poor rules and bigger losses in the in the future. And so in a you know closely related to discipline is self-control and you can see in uh, in Titus it talks about self-control rather he must be hospitable the one who loves one who loves what is good who is self-controlled upright and holy and disciplined. And you know any time I make an emotional investment in the market, I usually lose. So you got to cut that out. You should, I've talked, I've told people, you almost have to act like a robot. You see the information, you've got your set of rules, you plug the information into your set of rules, and out, either out it comes, you should be buying this stock, or you should be avoiding this stock. And so you don't have to have this, you don't have to swing back and forth between, well, should I do this, should I not do this? So, and then in Proverbs... 2.15, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to, uh, leads to po poverty. And in some of the best, uh, best investments I've made in the past are ones that I've watched and I've tracked and I've looked at for months and months and I've studied and I've, and I've visited the, the, uh, the establishment or the company. I mean, even last night, um, I got in late and and Mark and, and the others were coming back from dinner, and they said, are you still hungry? And I said, you know, yeah, I haven't had dinner. And so they said, well, let's, let's go and find a place to eat. And I started thinking, you know, there was this great stock earlier this year. It was called Shake Shack. And this stock, I think, had a move from 50 to 90, and now it's trading in the 30s. But I had to, you know, I said, let's go to the Shake Shack because um, I wanted to check out to see this company. I wanted to taste the food because they have no Shake Shacks in, in California. They're mostly on the East Coast. And so we walked through Times Square. And we, made, I mean, we must have walked two miles to get to this place. But <laughs> I had uh, what I had burger fries and a shake. And these guys had some of these, what are they called, concretes? Yeah. And, and so, anyway, checked it out. I couldn't believe the line. I mean, we had to stand in line for 10 minutes just to order our food. But those, that's, that's sort of the diligence to use. And it's kind of fun. I mean, it's, you get to taste, you check out all these things and eat all their food and, and see if it's any good. I wasn't impressed with the food, but I was impressed with the line that goes out the door. So, <laughs> But that's the diligence you have to 
you have to use to to uh, you know to find some some good investments. So uh, yeah, this, so then uh, you know a few other questions you have to you have to ask in some of these principles. Is there fear in, in, in your decision? Now, predicting the stock market or where the economy is going to go is an inexact science. And over the years, some analysts have been very accurate calling the twists and turns of the market, but then they fall out of sync, they lose their touch. Really, nobody but God knows where the markets are going to be going. And I, I tend to invest when the risks are in my favor and I quickly cut losses uh, if I'm wrong. And you have to remember that all analysis is based on historical information. And that's why we should not really be anxious or fear the future. We can only respond to how the market changes. And if we're anxious and fearful, it drains us of our energy and creativity that we could use to anticipate the next investment. And I try to over overcome that fear by you know, being disciplined. I, and I keep on coming back to that, to that rule. But you know, in our Christian life, we have to be extremely disciplined. So we don't go to the wrong way. We don't go off the path. That we stay with the commandments that God has given us. And we live that life that he wants us to live. But it's, 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 you know, it's tough. In, um, in Philippians, uh, oh yeah, well, in Matthew, uh, which, uh, which of you being anxious can add a single cubit to, its, uh, to, uh, to your lifespan? And there's also the passage uh, in Philippians. And then some of these are overlapping, the motives and, and, and these, uh, these principles, but uh, you know, is there greed in your, uh, in your decision? Ecclesiastes, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Or um, Luke 12, 15, then he said, uh, said to them, watch, uh, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And then, um, yeah, and then even the Ecclesiastes 2.26, um, to the man who pleases God, uh, who pleases him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and happiness, but the sinner he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to one who pleases God. So, um, and then, so you... The way you keep greed out of your investment decision is going back to the same thing, having a set of rules, being disciplined, following what has been proven in the past, and keeping the right eternal uh, perspective. Now, is, the other thing is, um, is here's a, one other thing you've got to watch out for pride. Is pride causing to you invest? Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, some of the some of my friends know that I never discuss the stocks that I'm in at the moment or the stocks that I've done extremely well on because it's always just at the point where I've done extremely well in a stock and I'm really excited about it and it's had this gigantic move that if I start telling people about it, it I don't know what, what happens, God's listening, but that thing just goes and turns right back down and goes, goes straight on down. So if... I, you know, I, and I, one of the first rules you, you should have is never take a tip or a rumor. Always check out uh, anything someone tells you through your rules. But uh, if someone asks me, oh, well, what do you like in the market? I usually tell them, well, look, here's, here's five stocks. And um, 
you decide between those five. I'm not going to tell you what to, what to look at. So anyway, uh, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So let's say you've, you've, you've done well in, you know, in your business, in your job, in your investments, What's, what's most important when you succeed? What's most important to remember? And I love this passage, Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18, and someone might have mentioned this before. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands produce this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And, and when I think about you know, stocks that I've, I've bought that have done extremely well, where did that idea come from? You know, it, all that, even the even the, even the, men, the mental work, all the, the ideas, the creativity, all that comes from from God. And then, um, and then the next passage. Uh, well, it's a long passage, but that First Timothy six seventeen through nineteen command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then, uh, last, uh, well, oh yeah, there's, there's the whole passage, uh, so you can, you can see that. Um, and then the, really the, uh, where is your best, if anybody wants to ask me right now, what's, you know, if you were going to, if you had some money to invest right now, where, where, where should you put it? Well, I, what I would, uh, you know, your best guarantee return is, is going back to really the the, I, the first passage I mentioned in Matthew 6:19, do not store up treasures from uh, on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, where do you, how do you store up treasures in heaven? Well, you store treasures up in heaven by giving it to the work of God here and uh, on on earth. You give it to. Uh, you know your church. You give it to organizations that are spreading the gospel. That's how you can. You can't. You know. You you keep on hearing this passage. You can't take it with you. Well, you can always send it ahead. You can send it on to heaven. And this is exactly what this passage is talking about. That it'll be there. And that is an absolute guaranteed investment that will pay huge dividends when you get to heaven. So. Final thought. So, three things. If you remember these map principles, uh, motives for investing, attitudes towards money and investing, and principles for investing from a biblical perspective, that's your, your MAP. Um, and then your best investment, again, Matthew 6.19, and then Proverbs 8, 18 through 19, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. And, and so if you invest with the right motives, keep in mind the biblical man, commands in making decision to investing. You should be a better investor with a clearer mind and with better results in which you can, one, provide for your family, practice godly stewardship, and provide for the spread of the gospel. And in this way, if I can paraphrase... Uh, Paraphrase uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, 
uh, whether you invest in stocks or you invest in real estate or whatever you invest in, do it all for the glory of God. So, thank you. So I get the clapping since I'm the last one to go then. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. David, thank you so okay. much.